you so much, Dale, for that beautiful, beautiful song. When Jesus comes to stay, I trust he's come to stay in your heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that our, you are ready to work in our hearts through thy precious word. Father, I thank you for that song that has prepared us to hear from thee. And Father, I pray that we might live in such a way that we abide in Christ moment by moment and know that fellowship that only he can give. And that's where we find our peace and joy. And now, Father, thank you for what we will hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me this morning, let's turn to the letter of 1 John. 1 John, we're continuing our series in this book. 1 John, and we're arriving at chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, the first six verses this morning. 1 John chapter 4. Now, as you're turning there, if we reflect back on what John has already discussed in his letter, you know, uh, concerning our relationship uh, with the Lord, what it should be, what it shouldn't be, he's discussed our relationship with God the Father, with the Lord Jesus, our relationship, what it should be with the things of the world, a relationship with sin in our life, and then our relationship with the brothers and sisters in Christ. So he has covered those topics, but now in chapter 4, he begins to exhort his readers in another area. And it concerns the danger of false teachers and false prophets. And so if you'll look with me at verse 1, let's read this together. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many prophets have gone out into the world. He begins that verse with, the, the term beloved, he reminds them again that they, he loves them and they are loved by God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But now he's going to exhort them and warn them about something. He says, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. In other words, don't believe everything you hear. Someone who comes in the name of God, and they will come to you, or the name of Jesus, or they'll come to you, uh, they'll say through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they will, they will preach to you or teach to you something that doesn't sit well in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind, and then you re begin to realize, wait a minute, I don't think I ever read that. In scripture and suddenly the Holy Spirit will begin to show you and me this spirit the spirit of the individual who is teaching and preaching is not of the Lord 
but it is a spirit of the Antichrist. It is untrue. So he says, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear or any, everything that anyone teaches. Can you imagine if I just went around and believed everything that everyone taught me and said to me? And that I would be a mess. You, you and I would not know what, uh, which end is up. But John is concerned about the believer testing these spirits, this spirit of Antichrist that we will, you can see and hear in those who look like they're true believers. They act like it. They even use the Christian vocabulary to make you make them sound like they are really you know evangelical close to the lord but john here he says don't believe every spirit but that what are you supposed to do test the spirits to see whether they are from god test the spirits that word test if you have a king james version it has the word try translated Try the spirits, test the spirits, to examine. The Greek word here means literally to make a critical examination of something or determine genuineness. How many of you heard of the litmus test? Some of you may remember school, right? In school, you, if you took chemistry, you would know what this is. But the litmus test is a chemical test uh, that is used to determine whether something is, has acid in it or alkaline. Okay, and so uh, pretty much it's, it's a, a blue powder that is in liquid form. And then they take it and they, they drop, uh, they put a drop of it on a litmus paper, a certain type of paper, the way it's, it's uh, made up so that when that drop hits the paper, uh, if it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blue color drop, this liquid, if it remains blue on the paper, it is alkaline. But if there is a change in the color and it turns red, it tells you that there is acid on that paper or, or whatever they put on that paper to determine it. And this is one, one of those tests that has been, you know, for centuries now, uh, been used uh, in, to, to test in science. But this has been taken and we've used it in our vocabulary, in our English vocabulary. And it's, it's now used metaphorically when we talk about uh, something that, you know, we're, we want to try and test something to see if it's genuine. You, maybe a phrase like this. These poles aren't precise, but they are a good litmus test for the general popularity of political candidates. And this, this phrase, litmus test, is used especially in politics and in our government. And 
especially when it comes to Supreme Court nominations. Boy, we're sure reading about the Supreme Court today, aren't we? But we thank the Lord for what God is doing. And I just praise the Lord that we've seen a turn in our the laws of the land uh, that turn towards God's principles and God's word and, and the sanctity of life. So we praise the Lord for that. But right now, the Supreme Court, all those uh, members are being attacked. And now they're saying, well, those Supreme, when we nominate, you know, the, the, those who are in the Senate, they said when, when we brought them, you know, they were testing them before they would vote for them on, to put them on the Supreme Court. They, they would through, I don't know how many of you watch some of that, but when a judge is going to be placed on the Supreme Court, the, both the, the Democrats and Republicans, they throw questions at the judges. And that is considered a litmus test. It's used uh, for nominations of the Supreme Court of the United States. Politicians do a litmus test on nominees to see whether or not they will give the nominee their vote. With more recent relevance of single-issue voting, litmus tests in politics are also a good shorthand for determining who you would vote for. And so now they're saying, well, the judge didn't say this when we were thinking, we're talking about whether or not to nominate him. He got my vote, but now he, he changes, it seems he changed his vote, and now he votes for uh, against the Roe versus Wade to, to flip that over. The litmus test. John here is basically telling us, Christian, I want you every day to do a spiritual litmus test in your life. Litmus test determining whether or not what someone is saying and telling you or teaching you is truth. Is it truth or error? You kids... How many loved you uh, loved the uh, true and false test? Do you like those? Were they better than the other ones, true and false? Some, sometimes, you know, I, I remember in school, you, you, did the, you had a true and false test. You thought, well, good. One of them's right. I got a 50% chance of getting this right when I take this test, right? And uh, um, how many of you remember guessing at which one was true and which one was false. Remember that? Why would, would I guess whether or not on that test it's true or false? Why am I guessing at that? Because I didn't study. Because maybe I didn't go to the books, review the notes. And so it is, John is now going to show us the test we must take or use to determine something is true or false. And notice at the end of verse 1, what does he say? He says, we need to test the spirits because many false prophets or teachers 
have gone out into the world. Notice he doesn't say because of those who are in the world. No, he says those who have gone out into the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about those who were in the church who suddenly got all their, uh, you know, the, these new ideas and, and, and uh, so, some cultic uh, philosophies, and they've added to truth, to some truth, and made it sound good. And so they left the church and they decided, I'm going on my own and, and uh, I'm going to start teaching and teaching this, this new thing. And uh, be careful if someone comes to you and says, oh, there's this new thing. Uh, that, that should give you a red flag. There's something new in Christianity. And there's something new that you need to, to have in your life or to know or to do. But here, John is talking about those who have gone out of the church. So they were, someone were raised up in the church and they, they, they were... Uh, they made a profession of faith, but they truly weren't saved. And they were wolves in sheep's clothing. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 with me. Let's go to Matthew 7. I want you to see with me a few passages of Scripture concerning false teachers. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus is speaking. Matthew 7 Pick it up at verse 15. Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will know them by their fruits. You will know false teachers. Jesus is saying, you'll know false teachers by the way they live, by what they're promoting usually. And if you listen to them and, and sooner or later and, and you take what they say and filter it through the word of God, the Lord will reveal to you that they are false. And now turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's go over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3. Jesus spoke of false teachers and prophets. Peter's going to write about them here. 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Here, Peter, 
makes it clear. Look at verse 2. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. He's basically saying, watch out, because they are out there. They are, and, and they are those who have taken some truth and twisted it into what they want the Bible to say so it fits, uh, fits what they want to tell people so they can control people, get their money, and lead them astray. How sad this is. And then one last passage, 2 Corinthians. Go to one more, if you would, with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now we have the Apostle Paul speaking of the false prophets and teachers. 2 Corinthians 11, and we'll pick it up at verse 13. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, even Satan disguises himself as what? An angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness whose end shall be according to their deeds. So here the Apostle Paul also warns us. Here he talks about Satan. Satan, when Satan wants to do something to control somebody or to get them to follow, you know, heresies and follow uh, things that are false, what's he going to do? Is he going to send some guy off the street, you know, who is uh, foul-mouthed and, and, uh, and ba basically is living a life of sin and he's going to get up and, and behind a pulpit and preach to you and, and in all his, his, his uh, you know, horrible vocabulary and, and, and just, you know, look the part of being a child of Satan. No, that's not how Satan works. What does he do? He puts on the disguise. He'll make sure that he gets his people to wear the disguise of a preacher, to wear the disguise of a, of a, of a Christian teacher, and they will come to you with a smile. They will come to you with uh, persuasive speech. And they will try and sway you with their words to make you go, wow, he's good. They may have a personality that just attracts a person to listen to them. And, and, and this is how Satan will work. He's not going to show his cards. He's not going to show himself. He's an angel. He's a, he disguises himself as an angel of light, and so do his people. So if you go back with me now to 1 John chapter 4, how do we test? What is the litmus, the spiritual litmus test then for us? 
Look at verse 2 with me. John goes on. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the, in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. It's already in the world. Here, John clarifies what the test is. What does the person, basically he says, what does the person actually say who Jesus is and, and everything about him? Notice he says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in, uh, in the flesh is from God. Uh, in that statement John is making, uh, that covers a lot of ground. It concerns the doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? Where did he come from? When he came? Was he all God and all man? You see, back in this, this time period, we, we, we've referred to it before, but one of the false uh, teachings that was going around was Gnosticism. And if you recall, Gnosticism basically taught that matter is evil, spirit is good. Therefore, they began teaching that when Jesus came, he really didn't come in human flesh because flesh is evil. You know, it's depraved. And so basically they're, they're saying Jesus came as a spirit. Oh, he looked like a body and everything, but he was really a spirit. And so that kind of false teaching was going around and that led to other things. What does a person actually say about the Lord Jesus Christ? And is Jesus Christ preeminent in their teaching? Be very careful, dear friends, of those who will speak only of the Holy Spirit. And will basically, their focus, their attention is on the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And they exalt the Spirit. Everything is about the Holy Spirit. And hardly anything's mentioned about Jesus himself. And Jesus is kind of put in the background. That should be a warning sign if it's all about the Spirit. Because what did the Spirit come to do? It came to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ and to exalt him. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to lift up Christ. And if the person is not lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that he says and, and speaks of focuses upon the, who Jesus is, what it, why he came, how he can change a life, and what he can do for some, someone's uh, heart, if, if that's not there, but it's all spirit, 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 are you filled with the spirit? Are you for this and that? And, 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 and you get carried away be very careful because that's how we can slip into uh, some teaching that doesn't line up with the word of God. Jesus has to be preeminent. Amen. He has to be preeminent. And so John is, is making this clear. Test whoever is teaching 
test to see what if Jesus is preeminent in their teaching and the focus is on him, whether or not he is truly God. And every spirit that does, does not confess Jesus is from God. This is the spirit, he says, of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming, but is also already here in the world. Testing the spirits. So one way of testing is the, uh, the test of who Jesus is. You know, the, I don't know how many of you heard of the bait and switch tactic in sales. Anybody hear of that? Bait and switch. The unethical selling technique called bait and switch. It's a method where a, re a retailer lures a customer into a store by advertising a well-known product at a very low price, okay? And when the prospective buyer asks to purchase it when he gets into the store, he is suddenly told, well, I'm sorry, we're out of stock. The salesperson then tries to sell him an inferior line of merchandise, hoping to pocket a bigger profit. The brand name was used just to get potential customers to step inside. Bait. Bait them in with something. And then when they get in there, oh, sorry, we're out of it. Switch. Switch them to something else that they never came in for. It's a tactic that has been used over and over again. In a similar way, a false teacher uses biblical words to capture interest and gain a hearing he may talk about Christ. He may use the words redemption, cross, resurrection. But these trusted terms amount to nothing more than a come on by one who is disguised by Satan. The seller uses them to advertise truths that are, as far as he's concerned, are out of stock. We've got to be careful. Be so careful. Look with, back with me now then, as he goes on, he encourages us now in verse 4. John says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've all used that, that wonderful truth, haven't we? And we've, we've clung to that many times. Greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. When we're going through a trial, we're going through heartache and suffering. We know that Satan is on the attack. And he wants you and me. He's going after the, the true believer. And all he wants to do is to get you to doubt God. To train, change your way of thinking. But he says, you're from God, and you have overcome them. Who's them? The spirit of the Antichrist, those false teachers. You've already overcome as because you're truly a believer. And he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who is one that is in you? The Lord Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will tell me exactly what I am going, uh, what I am going to uh, follow and what I am not. He's going to make it clear to me exactly what, what is truth. 
Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But then we come to verses 5 and 6. Let's look at this in closing. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What is John saying here? The end of these, these verses here in our study this morning. He says they're from the world and they're gonna, the world's going to follow those people because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. But you and I, he repeats it, we're from God. You're born again. If you are born again, you are going to listen to the Holy Spirit's leading and listen to the Lord. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. So basically he's telling you there, there are those who claim to be apostles and, and teachers of the word of God. But if they, if they don't use the word of God, they don't believe everything in this book, then that is your warning sign. That is a true test. He's, he's saying that those who, and, and the apostles, they were the ones that brought the word of God. They brought the word of God and they taught the word of God, right? But now we have the written word of God. So we have what the apostles were teaching right here in our hands. And the people uh, who were going, uh, I don't listen to Apostle John and his group, you know, let me tell you the real truth. And if they basically were telling people, don't listen to the apostles, these apostles over here, but I'm an apostle, listen to me. John is saying what they're doing is they, they are not uh, accepting the word of God. And you and I, dear friends, it comes down to my my filter is this. My filter has to be this on a daily basis. And you and I, we are going to be put to the test. You have been put to the test already. You will be until Jesus returns. But I have got to take everything that someone says and filter it through the word of God. Does what they are saying line up with what God says in his word. We don't have time to turn to it, but Acts 17 speaks of the Bereans. They were people from Berea, Christians, who when they heard the Apostle Paul teach, what did they do? Do you remember? They, they examined what he was saying with the scriptures to see if what he says is really true. And you and I need to be like Brians. Okay, I'm just not going to take someone's word for it. I'm going to look here. Does it pass the test of the word of God? And the Holy Spirit will open my eyes and give me understanding. As we leave here this morning, my friends, beware, walk uh, carefully, 
And those, uh, those teachers and preachers that are out there, be very careful. Just can't pick up a book off the shelf and say, oh, someone told me this is a great book. I'm going to believe everything in it. No, God, God says, I want you to filter everything through my word. And when you do that, we will be kept safe from Satan's schemes. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ lives in your heart if you are a believer today. You are born again spiritually. You have his Holy Spirit living within you. And as Jesus said, when I send the Comforter, he will guide you into all truth. And he is your guide. And as we rely on the leading of the Holy Spirit through our study of the Word of God, we cannot go wrong. We cannot slip into error. Would you ask right now, Christian, say, Lord, keep me from those who are not teaching the truth. And help me, Lord, to filter everything through thy word. If you're here this morning without Christ, you don't have him living inside you. You haven't experienced the new birth. I invite you to accept Christ right now. Just put your faith and trust in him. Say, dear Lord Jesus, pray a prayer like this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart right now and wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. And with head still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. Jesus has entered your life. Welcome to the family of God. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. For once again, warning us, Lord, about what is out there, about those who have gone out and are wolves in sheep's clothing. Father, thank you for giving us your precious word through which we need to filter everything that comes our way. Help us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And Father, help us to teach truth and take those opportunities to edify one another in your word and we pray this in jesus marvelous name amen amen as we conclude our service here with a song if you did make a decision you accepted jesus as your savior i invite you to step out of your seat if you made that